Patriots. And it is October 11th and Tuesday. And I'll tell you, if I was on the East Coast right now, I'd be wanting to just like roll in and go to bed. Because it'd be three hours ahead. And I never did get used to that time, which means you are already into Wednesday. And I'm so happy I still don't have to face Wednesday quite yet. It's all good. And you know there's crazy stuff going on in this world. Every one of you knows that. You know that there's shortages pending. And you know it's time for you to do some prepping. If you haven't done it, you got to do it fast. So the best way to get some of that stuff done is to get some baseline in your in your food preparations and storages because you need to have stuff that you can have peace of mind with and not have to worry. And that's why it's such a good time right now to take advantage of the special offers at My Patriot Supply. And I don't know if you know this, they're the largest, the nation's largest preparedness company. It started really small too. It's amazing. So right now, if you head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, you will save 20% on their three-month emergency food kit, which is pretty cool. And so my, my Patriot Supply wants to make sure that it's affordable and that everyone can get prepared. That's obviously their goal. They need to make it affordable. Everyone prepares. They, they benefit. We all benefit. So for this limited time, you're going to be able to save 20% on a three-month emergency food kit, and it gives you a whole variety, variety, I can't even speak, wide variety of stuff, including breakfast, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks. And what you want to do is get one for each member of the family. That way you have a total peace of mind. And you have to admit that there's absolutely no price that you can put on peace of mind because this stuff is stuff you put aside and it'll last for years, like 20 years. So head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. Get your 20% off free shipping 20% off the products over the three-month kit and free shipping. They, they send their stuff out fast. They come in unmarked boxes. So if you have a woke post-delivery post person, they won't know what they're doing, so they won't freak out. And it's time to prepare for food shortages. That's the bottom line. All right, Patriots, so here's the deal. All right, and then remember, preparewithbards.com. It's, all the links are under the podcast. All right, listen to this. This is what we're up against. This is what happens when you take God out of the world and you replace it with a bunch of transgender fools. And this is the sort of narrative that they're feeding to these people that are desperate and trying to find meaning in their life. This comes right from the White House press secretary. Here we go. So today is National Coming Out Day, and so I wanted to start by sharing my own coming out story. Like so many in the LGBTQ community, coming out wasn't an easy thing to do. My family was traditional and conservative, being gay in my family wasn't something that you mentioned out loud or celebrated. But my family, like many, many other families, grew to accept who I was. They saw that who I loved didn't change who I was as a person. It didn't change the things I liked to do. And it didn't change the goals I had for my life. The beauty of America is its freedoms, and the promise that you can achieve your dreams, no matter your race, sex, country of origin, sexual orientation, or gender identity. This is something we continue to strive toward and fight for, particularly as we continue to see a wave of anti-LGBTQ legislation across the country. And it's why I'm so honored to serve the President and the First Lady 
who have stood with the LGBTQ community for many years and will continue to stand with all those who come out. And we are thinking about those who are coming out or those who are thinking about coming out. And we are here for you. And we will uh, continue to support you. Thank you. Right. Because now our White House has become a national grooming center. And so we want to encourage you young children that are confused because you've been in Common Core and you've been introduced to racial theory. And now you've got queer theory running through your mind and you suddenly don't know what to do with this glorious body that God gave you because your instructional indoctrination has been telling you that you're screwed up, but you're not. So please come to the White House where we'll make sure that you can be groomed and so maybe Biden can rape you like he's done other people. This is the crap that we have to deal with now in our, in our country. And it's absolutely unacceptable. Let's be clear. The lifestyle of gay, homosexual, LGBTQ is sinful, period. End of story. And the whole part here that they're doing is they're taking advantage of a grooming program that has been institutionalized through our school system. Critical race theory, common core, and queer theory are all designed, and in the order, common core first is designed after the MKUltra program to confuse people in truth. Critical race theory then creates racial preferences by inverting race, by creating an inversion of race concepts, making one race feel lesser, i.e. white race, and making another race feel that they were inappropriately treated and are now justified to get extra treatment, which is black race. That's the same president she's serving that made sure that the crime bill that was passed years ago prioritized black males being put in jail. Good job, press secretary. But this is our world. And the thing is that she hits on something that's pretty critical because she talks, she tells this story about how difficult it was to come out. And what they're doing, and is, and I am, as you know, I don't think there's any question where I sit on this topic, but there is another little piece here. And that is when people are now confused, and they are, we have a new challenge before us, and that's we're going to have to embrace them in the love of Christ and trust that Christ will heal them. This is a different process. So I'm openly against the lifestyle and what irritates me more is they have jacked this up in our society and caused it through vaccinations and a lot of the motive the reason we're seeing so much of this gender confusion is the fact that people are getting injected with fetal cells you have a, between the mother and the child when they're born but by about age three they've had something like 17 or 20 injections and all of them in one way or another have fetal cells in them so you're creating a gender-confused subject right from the beginning. This is all by design to mess up God's children. And then these people get born, raised, and then they want to have others like them. So they want to encourage them to come out, which is all amplified by this indoctrination program. Parents, if your children are in public schools, you're killing them. I don't know how else to say it. And to be even more blunt, if your kids are in public schools and you are not working to get them out, you're complicit in that spiritual murder. And I don't think God's going to look kindly on that. So this is essential that we start to understand the enemy's approach here. 
because the enemy is working overtime in a war against the children. Matthew 21, 33 to 45, the parable of the landowner. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and he leased it to vine growers and went on a journey. And when the harvest time approached, he sent his slaves to the vine growers to receive his fruit. And the vine growers took his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves more than the first, and they did the same things to them. But afterwards, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine growers saw the son, they said amongst themselves, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take possession of his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, that will be, that will he do to this, what, I can't read. What will he do to those vine growers? They said to him, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end and lease the vineyard to other vine growers who will pay him the fruit in the proper seasons. Jesus said to them, did you ever read the scriptures? A stone which the builders rejected, this has become the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it's, it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruit. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces on whomever it falls. It will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parable, they understood that he was speaking about them. In this time when children are under so much attack, and this is, it just courses my thoughts almost every day. What's our role and what's our duty and responsibility? When I was speaking at Glad Tidings last weekend, in the three I don't know that I want to call them sermons, but it was the sermon of the day. It was, it was the talk for the church, essentially the three sermons. The way that I ended each one was this. I asked all the youth to come to the front. And this is a very powerful statement when you have the youth of a church standing before you. And I asked this question, how much are you willing to sacrifice to ensure that these children, God's gifts, that we are to nurture and to steward, have a future that's worthy of the Lord. When we sit in the words and discussions, we don't often have the real thing before us, but when you're sitting looking at 20, 30 youth, it hits home. We have a duty and a responsibility. And The problem we're having right now is we're in a world that has accepted that the LGBT lifestyle, which is still a minority, but they accept it because they control one of the, some of the biggest megaphones in the country has to be accepted and mainstreamed. 
This is my general response. Number one, in preparing it, in their, in their way of grooming, that has to stop. Right now, we're already seeing the damage of transgenders. Young children or children who have been put through the transgender modifications, having breasts removed, having penises removed, having testicles removed, permanently damaged. As they get older, they realize the damage that has been done to their bodies, and they're stuck with the scarring. There's nothing they can do to correct that. And many of them end up committing suicide. In the gay society, the problem with the gay society is the gay society has an open approach, which they don't like to talk about publicly, which is they pursue young men, 14, 15, 16. And they call it helping them come out or helping them find their gayness. It's it's just another form of grooming. The stories that I heard last week at the men's camp, the horror stories that I've heard at the men's camp of how their parents were are enough to about make you want to throw up what parents did to their children. And all of it was done in some form of a grooming to bring the child into the orbit of the parent that themselves were completely demonized. We have a significant responsibility in our world that goes far beyond just the walls of our house. And when we talk about being disciples and being the voice of God in our world, there's never been a time that's been more important than now. The hard work is boots on the ground. And dealing with some of these crises is huge. When you're, and we start to look around, we start to realize how many children have been damaged. I've told you the story of these two young, they were teens that were playing music in Portland. And I came across them. They were playing a kind of an Appalachian mountain style music, really good and very talented. And so I bought them a cup of coffee and, and some, and they weren't hungry. They weren't that hungry, but I bought them a cup, took them to a coffee shop and bought them a cup of coffee and a pastry. And I I literally looked at them. They, they weren't having a hard time figuring out what they wanted. And I said, well, what, what do you guys want? And they said, we don't know. We've never had a cup of coffee. It's to cost this much money. The cup, of, the standard cup of coffee is like a, it wasn't a Starbucks. It was local, but it was like two and a half dollars. As they told me the stories of how they lived and grown up, again, the same story over and over, abused by parents, raped by parents. They leave the house. They have nobody. They find a friend of a place they can flop at. And these two, which I've discovered is not uncommon become literal vagabonds that use the trains to travel from across country. And then comes the horror stories, even of that. People that have fallen off the trains, friends that they've seen run over, lost their legs, the drug overdoses that by the time they get to be 20 years old, they've witnessed real life death and had people die in their arms. These are the sorts of scarrings you're deal, dealing with that this whole discussion that gets me just fired up because when we start talking about LGBTQ and we want to have you come out 
This has been a consequence of the broken family, of degenerate parenting, of a state that advocates and supports it, of child sex trafficking, of a pharmaceutical industry that has waged war on children, of food and water that have been poisoned, of the promotion of plastics that encourage BPH that then increases the, the estrogen in men and boys. I could go on a list of things. This has been a war on our children as collective humanity. So how do you hide? How do you hide the truth? You encourage and legalize that which is the genetic defect, which is being gay and lesbian, transgender, queer, whatever. See, when you go back to, you really look at what happens in 2007, they pillage and plunder the economy. They've gone too far, they, they, they dumped it, and then they went in, and whether you realize this or not, I've said this before, it's proving true again and again in the news, they raided all the pensions and most of the 401ks in the world in 2004. So your statements that you receive on your pension, your 401k, whatever, it's not money that you have, it's money that they owe you. If you have tried to get your money out of your 401k lately, good luck. Find out how easy that is because it doesn't work. And the pensions are being funded by the paper mill of making money and the new people they keep drawing the money out of that are paying for the current people on pensions. Everything's bankrupt. So they went after a place, the places that they knew there was still money. They went after the gay communities. They were creating a closed-loop economy, meaning they were working. They had their economies amongst themselves. They would only buy and support each other in the gay community. And they mainstreamed them by legalizing being gay, lesbian, whatever. And they encouraged it. But It also had another great side effect of that, and I'm sure it was part of the integrated plan. There was a general questioning going on at that time of what was causing people to become gay. It's not a gene. There is no gay gene. They've already established that num numerous times. It's a consequence of environment primarily and a consequence of being damaged as a youth. Most, most gay men have issues with their dad, abusive or, or worse. And then you add to that the compounding issues of plastics and vaccines and food and genetically modified food and a whole variety of things they accumulate to create an imbalance of estrogen and testosterone in the young man. And then you add to that a culture that encourages the identification of young men that are struggling with identity, which happens to be very normal for both men and women in the youthful age as their hormones develop, you now get a predatorial class that's going after these young kids, and it's only getting worse. All that press secretary established was an open ticket for predators to be let loose on our children across this nation. That's what she just said. And that should absolutely infuriate you. 
And so we go back to this bit that Jesus says, therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruit. That to me is a very powerful and settling statement. And again, it runs in the face of this kind of run-of-the-mill Christendom that we deal with where it's like, I'm saved, therefore I'm going to heaven, everything's guaranteed. Jesus didn't say that. He's saying this here, that it will be taken away from you. And essentially, as we read that and we're looking at this story above, we're not stewarding, we're not reaping the fruit of the kingdom, it will be taken away. We know what has already been said, that it would be better for those that harm the little ones to have a millstone put around their neck than to be found by father. These are precious assets. The most precious of the kingdom is being brought to us, the children, and they are getting destroyed in this world. And we sit by and we listen to a press secretary and she spins this absolute Luciferian lie right before our very eyes to make it all sound cush and wonderful that we welcome you. We want you to be encouraged. This is a country where we can all have our right to anything we want to be, that we can be free by our, our religion. We can be free by our race. We can be free even by the gender which you choose. No, that's not the way this damn country was set up. We didn't have this issue, and we, sh- and we wouldn't have had this issue had we been vigilant on top of it. But now that God's been taken out of our n- national perspective, it's game on from the Luciferian side, and they are on the march. I don't know how we get through this collectively. I just know it begins with each of us being vigilant and standing up and speaking truth. I know these are not popular truths and they are not popular things to say in a culture where we're not supposed to speak out against anyone of any gender or race. I'm calling the LGBTQ movement man-made and fake because it's not as God created. And it's definitely engineered by the hands of Lucifer. But here's the catch on this whole thing, because it's been institutionalized and mainstreamed. And so if we're going to want to help others, we're going to have to turn a great deal of our trust and faith into Jesus. We're going to have to bring people to Christ and meet them where they are and let Christ do the transformation within. I'm not going to condemn somebody who's gay, lesbian, whatever, but I am going to tell them where the rules are within the walk with Jesus because it is a sin and a lifestyle. And if they can't handle that truth, then I'm sorry, but they also need to know that Jesus loves them, but they will, Jesus is going to transform them. And that's that fine line that I think we all get lost in once in a while because we want to condemn. And I'll tell you, if you are in that place where your gender, you're dealing with gender confusion as a result of a system which is designed to be a pariah, and literally prey upon you when you're the most vulnerable in your life, when you hear the words of a press secretary that's reassuring you that we want you to come forward, we want you to be comfortable with where you are, we're not going to judge you, please come forward. This is literally the Pied Piper's trick. And it is, let us take you off into the forest and we will steal you away and you shall never come back. No, you won't. So, 
and our approach of doing things, we're going to have to start looking at different approaches to this because even me, and I'm open about it, I swing hard. And I, I don't, it, it irritates me beyond imagination of how these people openly lie when they talk about, like, the gay community. They're talking about helping young men come out of their closet. It's so much garbage. That's like, that's their satisfaction sexually to help predatorize, be predators upon an easy prey. That's what that is. And the way that this whole system has worked is the they have demonized every parent in general. There is a lot of crap parenting in this world, a lot of it. And we're in the month of the worst of it. And keep in mind, just keep this in mind. They're calling this, what did they call this? The I'm, I'm going to be gay month this week or I'm going to come out of the closet and, and declare myself this, this month. What else is this month? What began on, on October 10th and ends on the 31st? This is the dark sacrifices of Halloween. This in the, Across the globe, there are hundreds of thousands of blood sacrifices going on this month to appeal to Baal, Moloch. And at the same month, they're now calling this the coming out month. What do you think this is really about? This is about harvesting souls. We have an obligation to stand up and speak truth in the name of Jesus. And with that, we can pray with people. We can talk about the glory of Christ. We can encourage people to come to Christ. And we're going to have to find ways to message into them. But judging someone and telling someone truth are different. And what they're praying upon here is what people perceive as judgment. Gay lifestyle, it's sinful, bottom line. It's not of God. LGBTQ lifestyle, it's sinful. It's not of God. How these people got there, I don't know. That's part of understanding their story to walk them out of that and let Christ heal them from within. But what I know is adults and adults aside, this adult this LGBTQ predator, who's our press secretary, is opening the gateway to encourage groomers to start moving in the month of August or October, excuse me, in their prime month of sacrifice to go after as many of these souls as they can to codify sin as normal. We ought to, at the same time, we've got Christians arguing that and defending, when I say this, defending the need to have Halloween. Garbage. This month we need to reclaim, but it isn't reclaiming it through the dark arts of black magic and all there's blood sacrifices. We've got to put our foot down, put up our prayer walls, our prayer shields, and start attacking aggressively through our prayer and faith in Jesus and confront these people with the truth. This is a war, and it's the war is so real and visceral, and when you really spend time to realize how they have pivoted, because they have gone from this place of working under the shadows, and then as they have been exposed, they've pivoted first to the elderly, and you know the most amazing part about that is under COVID, 
People didn't protest that their parents were dying alone. They simply cried about it. They didn't protest that their parents were isolated in homes and they couldn't see them and had to do this through the window or glass hand touch. They just said, oh, this is so sad. Those people make me sick. We have an obligation to stand up. You've got to be that dread champion of righteousness. And sometimes that means you're going to have to flip tables. If your kids are in school, in the public school, get them out. Find resources. I'm just, and I, I know that I've talked a lot about Glad Tidings only because I was down there and they have so many things going on. There's other churches that have great things going on too. You've heard me talk about Redeemer Church. They're doing a great thing too. But just because these are two churches, but one in particular that they're doing at Glad Tidings is one of the parents is homeschooling, set up a co-op. What does the co-op do? Once a week, this parent who homeschools has brought together all the, has opened the door to all the parents at homeschool, those of denomination and those not of denomination. The whole idea is to bring them together into a faith community, even if they aren't teaching faith, faith material in home. They welcome them all. They meet everybody where they are. They provide support to fill out paperwork. And this woman, and I'm going to get her on the show because she's fantastic. She's has the experience. They walk parents through how to fill out the paperwork so they can comply with the state and get their kids at home. They offer different offer different selections of good curriculum for the family that they can suggest to use to improve the teachings. It gives a chance for the parents once a week to come together and the kids once a week to play together so they're not all isolated. But they're trying to empower parents to homeschool even though parents may not know all that needs to be done. They're helping them and giving them resources so that they can. And if the kids that go to the K-12 through school on the, the campus of the church they don't go to school on the day of the co-op meeting. So if they want to come and be with the kids at the co-op meeting, it's open to that too. So they're creating community and community support. I've talked about this in a less specific way because I've said that one of the things that we have to do if you have the opportunity is to help your neighbors that are trying to homeschool and offer that sort of support for them to help them homeschool. We have got to work together. The children are their primary targets. The elderly is bad enough. And that is that whole testimony to elderly and how we've taken care of our elderly and our parents in this culture is despicable to me. The casting away of our parents, putting them off in homes, doing that because it's too difficult at home. I can't deal with it. I don't want to deal with my mom or my dad that goes through dementia. I don't want to deal with them if they get a stroke and they're in, they need assistance. I can't possibly imagine dealing with my parents because they have constant issues. Whatever. That's our duty. They wiped our butt when we were a baby. It's time for us to help them out as they get older and they mature and get through aging. Through aging. But again, we go back to the broken home. And in the broken home, where we are right now, is... Too many people have lost the understanding of what a true family is like. Patriots, I don't know. I, I just can't imagine what Jesus would do when he would, if he was here right now. I don't think he could find enough tables to flip, frankly. And what I do know 
in my heart of hearts is that there is a wrath brewing. It will be judgment. When we are supposed to be delivering justice on earth, it's going to be judgment. And we're letting these people run us. There are these, these handful of clucks that are around here. They stand up in front of a, a deceitful press and they say, well, this is what we must do. This is what our obligation is. And nobody, because our, so many of our churches are broken, you just hear mum from the pulpit. Just like I told you that I discovered it on this trip. And when you discover that the Southern Baptist Coalition is just now coming to grips with the idea that, oh, well, since we do have pedophiles in our church and they're pastors, we, it might be a good idea, but we have to figure out how we're going to do it to inform the other churches when they hire him that he was a pedophile in a previous church. Like, yeah, that might be good, especially since in the Bible reminding us again that they would be better to have a millstone around their neck than be found out by Father God. That has happened in the churches because people the, in the church have become complacent. I can assure you, like when I, if I'm going to mention Redeemer Church, I can assure you that ain't going to happen there because I've met enough of the people there that are holding the pastoral staff accountable. They are like the hammers, and we're blessed to have one in our own chat. But this is how we have to be. It's about being proactive. And we have a responsibility in our communities to be that proactive. But if we are going to allow these Luciferian commies to start destroying our community, our country, they're attacking our faith. They're attacking God's world. And we sit back and we go, oh, I don't, I don't know. This is, I don't like that. No, I don't just dislike it. It's like, get out of my community. I've said this before, and it's kind of a dual-edged sword here, so let me just explain this. I've said before, look, what you do in your bedroom is your own deal between God and you. That's not entirely true, okay? That's, that's a bit of a misspeak because, honestly, what goes on in our communities as a whole, even if it's done in private in the homes, has an effect on our community. So there is an accountability to God that's far beyond just us. That's the kind of the me thing. My point of saying that is they have politicized this whole sexual agenda. And to, to a large degree, we've just sat back and went, oh, all right, I don't like it, but I'll just kind of have to accept it. Mm-mm. We're not there anymore. This is time for us to stand up. And if the LGBT community gets their panties in a wad, then find another place to live and they can go get their panties in the wad there because it ain't going to fly. Lifestyles matter. How they treat others matter. And until I start seeing a whole frontal assault by a, an LGBTQ community that's defending children, telling them to go back to their heterosexual ways, go to Jesus, and they're going to turn on their own and start slaughtering the, the pedophiles, then you're, I'm not going to be anywhere near giving them anything other than a condemnation. Because the problem is that once, and it's a very slippery slope, because once a child has been damaged by their parents or damaged in a community, and many of these is, damages the lack of a, a father, for example, or, or the, uh, an over, uh, overbearing father, especially in this culture, <laughs> What stupid times we are in now. Raise your voice and they're going to tell the child at school, 
Um, did your father raise your voice? Yes. Do you feel oppressed? Yes, I do. Okay. Well, we need to do something about that. I have a dress in the closet. Would you like to try out being a girl? This is literally happening, folks. I promise I won't tell the parent. I won't tell your parents that you're dressing as a girl, but just do you find a better identity there? Because a lot of what you're struggling with, I'm sure, is your identity. And we can help you find a stronger identity. Groom, 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 groom. And you don't even know it's happening if your kids are left in school. And you won't know it's happening until later on. You're like, I don't know what happened. My kid went to college and all of a sudden they come back and my daughter's now in love with another girl. I'm totally heartbroken. No, it didn't start there. It started somewhere back in in the education system that you handed your child off to to let them be consumed by the groomers. This is hard truths. And, and it, I make no apology for them because in parenting, it is hard truths that when Things like this are happening, and we haven't maintained our responsibility over the child to help raise them and do as God intended. We arrive at this place with outsourcing, where we're outsourcing our kids to to public schools. We're outsourcing our parents to retirement homes or care homes. And I keep coming back to the same question over and over and over. What are we doing this for? And it comes back with the same answer, because We, as a collective whole, not anybody individually am I speaking to, as a society, the idea is that we need more personal time. I need that time on my own. It's so hard with the child here all the time. I need a break. I got to go have coffee with my girlfriends. I got to go. I got to go hang out at the mall to do some shopping because my child is there and I just can't handle it anymore. And then it goes the same way with the parents. Oh, mom is around all the time and she's having problems and I just need time to go get my latte with vanilla twist. Man, have we become soft. We are going to win this war in the long term when we step up and walk with the authority of Jesus. And that means accepting the word and listening to what is said in the word. As is said here, therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruit. There is all sorts of stories in scripture about a people that turn away from God and God's like, okay, guess what? You're going to be sacked. And in the end, you'll come back to me, but it's going to hurt. And you worked your way right into that one because you seem to not want to hear me. So guess what? Here come whoever. And away we go. We have to get that fire in our belly. And that fire in our belly is that true, true power of agape love. Agape love, when I tell somebody truth, it's love. And, and that's the part we have to get in our heart. I don't have to swing at somebody and tell them disparaging things, but I can definitely tell somebody, it's like, look, I love you, but here's the truth. You aren't going to heaven the way you are unless you accept Christ and realize that your lifestyle is a sin. And you may not want to hear that, but I'll just tell you this. Once you accept Christ, you're going to discover that and to truly walk with Jesus, you're going to have to let Jesus work through you and he'll heal you. But there's no such thing as a gene that makes you this way. 
this is all cultural programming and it's taken you so far away from God that my role as, as a disciple and emissary of God is to tell you that, look, you got to get right with Jesus because what's coming, you aren't going to survive otherwise. Our message has to be with that much courage. It has to be that truthful and it has to be that caring because if we aren't speaking truth to those that are doing the damage and if we aren't standing up for the kids that are getting damaged, it's like with the watchers on the wall, the blood is on us and we didn't do our job. Literally for the love of Jesus, we have to do this work as hard as it may be. But the children need it and they're screaming for help for it because what are the children ultimately seeking? They're seeking love. And unfortunately, and probably the darkest part of this entire story tonight is the ones that are reaching out for all the wrong reasons and giving them love are the ones living in the greatest sin. They're the groomers. That's pretty sick. Let's pray. Father, hear our hearts tonight as we struggle with a very difficult time. We start to see the grooming of children across this nation at so many levels, the mainstream, and to absolutely endorse sin as a normal. Father, we pray tonight for the strength in the remnant to be able to have the courage to step in, to speak the truth at the risk of being ostracized from groups, to being condemned for being racist or whatever we are. Because we know that if without speaking the truth and without it being shown the courage to do that, others will not, be able, will not follow and children will not know the example of strength. Father, we also pray for the children. There are so many in broken homes that have been damaged. So many that have been groomed and exploited. There is such ugliness that runs around in the dark. And so, Lord, we just pray that those darknesses can come to light, that that truth can be shown. It will not be able to hide anymore. That those that want to hide behind lies like, I'm helping a child find his gayness or whatever, that the true sense of what their motives are are shown to the world, that they can't disguise their lies behind slick words, but instead now are compelled and brought to a place where they will speak those truths, or at least we will hear what they're truly saying with ears to hear and then take the stand to put an end to these grooming habits and patterns. Father, you know my heart, and my heart hurts for the children that are suffering. And it hurts more knowing that they're screaming for help and there's nobody coming. Give us the courage as a nation. Give us the courage as a remnant to hear those cries and to respond, to be the rescuers and to be those that can bring them home and heal through the blood of Jesus. Forgive us as we have failed. Empower us now as we speak. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. I don't even 
what I said there, I'm so honest in that prayer of how my heart aches. You know, I, there's a video. I don't know if you've seen it. I think I put it into our family room. They captured, it's the appropriate term, they impounded a van the other day, and I think it was in Baltimore. And the van, this comes after the mayor has said to watch out for a van that was moving around and picking up kids, and they picked up a van. And so it's a group of ladies that have basically like traffic uh, vests on, and they're investigating the van, trying to figure out what's going on in it. And they open the door, and the van is completely lined with smooth steel. There's a bench seat near the back, and it's covered in a white cloth. It's easy to remove and take off. One of the ladies gets inside the van, and they shut the door, and she screams at the top of her lungs, and nobody can hear her. They're filming it. You can't hear her because the entire van has been super insulated. And the ladies don't really know what it is. They're like, man, this is creepy. This is creepy. Well, then one of the ladies points out, and it all comes together. They start looking closely at the metal. And they find the nail scratches from fingernails in the ceiling, on the vertical panels, and on the floor. This is a child abduction van. Where they can take a kid or a, a woman and throw them inside and shut the door and drive off. And they have electronic locks that they control so they can't get out. No one can hear them. And this thing drives around looking like a normal van in your neighborhood. Question everything. Be vigilant. This war is so real. And the war is targeting the children for a very specific reason. Because these criminals, these, these hell wagers, they are trying to make sure that the damage that they do will be everlasting and that God's gift to the world, as many of them as they can, will be so damaged that they'll never have a trust in God. We can fix that. But we have to be up, standing, and we have to be vigilant. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will win. Patriots, we got to be on the winning side on this one. We are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war, and it's very real. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then, or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my body.